Uh, morning all, my name is Jake Medcalf and I uh, am this Paris associate for housing and homelessness among you as of September number 1st. Now, who, who knows if I still have a job come September 5th, you know, like, <laughs> we'll see how this sermon goes, I guess. Um, but meanwhile, uh, a couple of things I think are, are important. One, um, I have oftentimes been described by people who get to know me after a while as a uh, presbycostal, which is this beautiful <laughs> combination of Presbyterian and Pentecostal. So for all of you, I mean, for a bunch of reasons, one, I believe that the Holy Spirit is still alive, amen? amen. Right, that God is still at work, amen? amen. Right, so a little interaction isn't gonna hurt us, a little noise making isn't gonna hurt us. Uh, those things are totally fair game. I also could preach for three days, just letting you know. <laughs> so you all brought food, right? Lunch, no? No, fine, I'll, I'll try and keep to the script. Um, I have been married now for 23 years, uh, which is over half of my life. You can do the math on how old that makes me. Uh, my wife and I have four kids, 15, 11, 10, seven. If you have four kids, you know how hard that just was, right? Like they all, they get older and they change birthdays. Um, we, by the very nature of having four kids, decided that Disney Plus was an absolute necessity in our home. We can also argue about want versus necessity later, but we decided necessity. We really wanted to get our kids into some Disney movies that we felt like were beautiful. There are some current ones that are great. Uh, we love Mulan. Uh, we love the pieces of that and the empowerment of that. We love Frozen in our house. We really loved Encanto, amen? amen. Just making sure we're still awake. Right? All those things are wonderful. We have tried to get our kids into what we think is the all-time classic Disney movie, The Lion King. That's kind of where we are. We are. You might be arguing about that. We got some clapping. That's good. I realized when we went to watch The Lion King, which we have successfully accomplished, by the way, that The Lion King finds itself in the area now of very classic movie. Does anybody know how old The Lion King is? It's going gonna, it's gonna to really make you not feel great. I know that. For me, it's so current. The Lion King is 28 years old, right? I mean, just momentary. I also fully found myself in the world. Like I was driving here, I turned on the radio. I'm enjoying the song to the fullest. It gets to the little promo for the radio station and it's classic hits. I have reached the classic hit stage of my life, my people. Many of you have as well. The uh, Lion King is an incredible story. Uh, and if you remember the story, and you can reflect back to seeing the movie, it's a story of a young cub named Simba who was completely lied to by his uncle Scar, and he flees from his rightful place. So Simba, if you remember, runs away and runs into these two lovable characters. Who are the two lovable characters? Timon and Pumbaa, the meerkat, the warthog, and they sing a very famous song that we all know by heart. In fact, it's become part of our pop culture, Hakuna Matata, because people, it means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem for you. 
philosophy. Hakuna Matata. Now, meanwhile, back on the prairie, do you remember what was happening? Simba runs away and he runs into this place of Hakuna Matata. It means no worries. It means problem-free. It means running away from all that could be. It means running away from setbacks and challenges and obstacles and potentially a fight or two. And it's attractive to us for some reason. And I want to say to you this morning that sometimes I think the American church has gone full Simba. Let me read from John Stott, one of my favorite authors and writers. Uh, it's his language, it's not completely mine, so I'll say that as a quick disclaimer. Our Christian habit is to bewail the world's deteriorating standards with an air of rather self-righteous dismay. We criticize its violence, its dishonesty, its dishonesty, its immorality, its disregard for basic human life and human rights, and materialistic greed. The world is going down the drain, we say, with a shrug, but whose fault is it? Who is to blame? Let me put it like this. If the house is dark when nightfall comes, there's no sense blaming the house. That is what happens when the sun goes down. The question to ask is where is the light? Similarly, if the meat goes bad and becomes inedible, there is no sense in blaming the meat. This is what happens when bacteria are left alone to breed. The question to ask is where is the salt? Just so. If the world deteriorates around us and its standards decline until it becomes like a dark night or a stinking fish, there's no sense in blaming society. That is what happens when human selfishness goes unchecked. The question to ask is where is the church? The question to ask is why are the salt and light of Jesus not permeating and changing our society. Where was Simba when the pride lands were falling? And where is the church today when so many of our, especially in my world, those who are unhoused and homeless are suffering? That is what our text deals with today. Let me pray and we'll get into the scripture We'll dive into that together. Holy Spirit, as we gather this morning, speak to us, speak through me. Let none of these words be mine, but be simply yours to the good, faithful people of First Pres Berkeley, to a faith community who wants to love you well and to love neighbor and to be disciples to the fullest. God, speak to us all this morning in this place. I'm praying that no one who's come into this building is unaffected by your spirit. No one leaves here the same by your work, through me, through the communion table, through whatever vehicle you need to use. Use it. Praise things in your name. Amen. Simba spends a bunch of years, if you remember from the story of the Lion King, out in the wilderness, Sakuna Matariing. I don't know if that's an actual verb, but it is now. He's out there until 
Rafiki comes. You guys remember Rafiki? The old, relatively wild uh, monkey with the thing, and he's bopping Simba on the head. Rafiki comes and he grabs Simba and he takes Simba and he says this really powerful phrase and then Simba ends up with this moment with Mufasa, his father, and he says, Simba, remember who you are. You are my son. Remember who you are. Our passage today really speaks to this because it's not, we're not the first people generally as an American church, as any faithful people of God, to forget who we are. It happened in Isaiah's time. And so Isaiah in this passage, in this story, plays this role of Rafiki to us this morning and says, First Pres Berkeley, remember who you are and why you exist and what you're here for. Isaiah chapter 58. If you have a pew Bible or your phone, whatever version you want to follow along with, I'm going to ask you to follow along this morning as we dive in together. Isaiah 58, verse 1. Isaiah, this is God speaking to Isaiah, who then speaks to us today. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet, Isaiah. Declare to my people their rebellion. Declare to my people they have forgotten who they are. And to the descendants of Jacob, their sins. I mean, this is a big entrance. And so you have to say what's following that in the piece of scripture must be something incredible. It must be something drastic. It must be something awful. And you get this. For day after day, they seek me out. Huh? They're not worshiping a Baal. They're not sacrificing children. But what's happening here? For day after day, they seek me out. They are seeking God. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. You have forgotten me. They ask me for just decisions. They seem eager for God's presence to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say. Why have we humbled ourselves, they say. Is this the rebellion? This is the rebellion we're talking about. We should all be right now in this space experiencing some kind of dissonance or confusion because what happened in that passage is that Isaiah just described what many would describe as the really perfect church. They, in many ways, they seem eager for God's presence. Amen? They're doing Bible studies. They're coming forward. They're fasting. They're praying. The prayer meetings are full. The Bible studies are full. They seem eager for God's presence to come near them. What is the problem? The problem is, in so many ways, that is all we've become. We've forgotten who we are. We sing, we pray, we study, we humble ourselves, we fast, but we have forgotten who we are. 
Those things are all incredible in their context, and I'm not saying get rid of a single one of them, nor does God throughout the piece of Scripture. Absolutely, Bible study. A Bible study has to become Bible doing, amen? Absolutely, we need God to come into presence. We need God to come into our places and fill this place with a powerful Holy Spirit as we need it to go out and do the work of the church in the world. We come in to be filled up because out we are fighting and struggling all day long. Those are important pieces. But family, they've become almost all that we are. When we have become, we've been lied to and convinced that the work of the church is to increase worship attendance and make sure we met the budget. Those are not who we are. If they happen, fantastic. But if they don't, it's a false dichotomy, but it's a good question. We must always, I think, constantly be asking ourselves, would God rather have 20 new members or would God rather have 20 of his children housed and off the streets? You can have both, it's the false dichotomy, but should ask ourselves anyway. Rafiki, Isaiah goes on, yet on the day of your fasting you do as you please and you exploit all your workers. You do as we please in the workplace. Our Sunday morning doesn't affect our Monday morning. We pay our workers as little as possible. We try and limit vacation and benefits. We exploit and we try and get as much out of a workforce as possible without breathing life back into them from leadership standpoints. We create massive systems of student debt so that people have to work and work and work and work and work. The average American is $20,000 in debt, credit card debt, today. We exploit all our workers. We, your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high, First Pres Berkeley. Says the Lord, says Isaiah, is this the kind of fast I have chosen my people? Only one day for us to humble ourselves when I think the reality for our, all of us to transition into, for to remember who we are, is that every day, every second, everywhere that God has put you, you are on mission. Your workplace, your home, your family, your neighborhood, your eyes, your heart are constantly leaning towards those who are suffering, who are struggling, who are lonely, who are pain and in pain. Every single place. In your workplace, as a workforce leaner, is to figure out how do we meet a triple line with our business? How do we create good work, good profit? How do we keep it environmentally satisfying? How do we honor our workers? All of that is the work of God. Jesus doesn't want your Sunday. He wants your every day. Every day we struggle and we fight and we work and we pray for shalom, the thriving of all to be present everywhere God has put us. Amen? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call only one day, a day acceptable to the Lord? And if that's not it, 
then what is it? Who are we? What does it mean to remember who you are? What are we supposed to do? And Isaiah goes on. The next section, is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? Is not this the kind of life I've chosen for you? Is not this the kind of work that I've assigned to you, First Pres Berkeley? Not to hide inside, but to find ways outside. Every single faith community should not be measured by those who are inside. We should be measured by those who are outside. And what do they say about us? What are they saying? What are they saying about our, our building and how we use it? What are they saying about our work? What are they saying about our people? What are they saying about us together? You should be concerned and we should be working towards what do the non-Christian people in Berkeley say about us? That's the kind of fasting. That's the work. They should be saying we have this great and beautiful goal that First Pres Berkeley is those who love well. God, what a great, beautiful goal that is. Why? Because you as people might be the only Jesus that someone ever sees, someone ever knows. And everything speaks, my people, everything. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice? This is the work. Remember who you are. You are the most powerful force on the planet. Jesus said it clearly as he stood out front of this kind of gates of hell space. He said, upon this rock, we get the language a little bit wrong and how we translate that passage. And Peter makes this confession and says, you are the Christ. He says, upon that rock, I'm going to build my community. Upon that statement, I'm gonna build who we are. He says, in the gates of hell, will not be able to stand against it. The gates of suffering, the gates of hell on earth, my people, that folks experience today, will not be able to stand against a powerful, Holy Spirit-filled group of people who are giving themselves away on behalf of another. It's the most powerful force on the planet that God has created, and we hold it inside the building. That's why we're getting yelled at in this passage. This is the kind of fasting I've chosen, to loose the chains of injustice. That's the work. Untie the cords of the yoke for those who are suffering, to set the oppressed free. I love your music. I love your songs. I'm telling you to gather. I'm telling you to study so that you can go do this work. But you can't study, you can't gather, you can't pray, and then not go do the work. That's unacceptable to God. That's what the passage says. If you want to take that up, don't take it up with me. Take it up with Jesus. Please, send him an email, not me or Charlene. <laughs> to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Verse 7, is it not to share your food with the hungry? to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. It doesn't mean your biological family. It means your created family. Every single one of our unsheltered community, our, un, our homeless that is a child of God, amen? With a story with God working through and around and trying to bring them to a place of health. We own that as the church, that's us. 
There are 2,000 verses in this piece of scripture that we call our instruction manual, amen? That are telling us to take care of the poor. If we have room in the building, we should use it. If we have room in the budget, we should use it. Is it not a flesh and blood family? They are our flesh and blood. You cannot walk by, you cannot walk around, you cannot walk on the other side of the street, says a famous story that Jesus told. That's our family. The same as your sons and daughters. That's what that passage is saying in verse seven. Then, oh, hey, hey, folks, you know what happens when you get a then in the scripture? That's a promise. That's a promise of God. Now, God is no vending machine. That's not how this works completely. But I can tell you that this is very, very true from my experience. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will appear. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You will cry for help and, will, and God will say, here am I. I wanna be part of a faith community whose light is breaking forth, amen? I wanna be outside of this building, a part of a community that the non-Christian community, that the leaders of this community are so thankful that First Pres Berkeley is here. That the glory of God is felt in the building, in the space, in the outside, in the parish, that we are bringing shalom to the surrounding community and not just our members. I wanna be part of a faith community where the glory of God, the Almighty, walks shoulder to shoulder with us like a rear guard. Doesn't that sound good? Man, I'm telling you, fam, you gotta go all in. You gotta go all in on sharing your food with the hungry, finding space for those who are unsheltered, thinking through justice in your workplace. Ooh. Next part. Told you I was supposed to be costal. We might go a little longer. I'm sorry. I'm apologizing all now to everybody. Verse 10. If you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry, that has spoken to me for so many years, my, my people. There was a night at a First Pres Hayward where I, um, I was at the, and First Pres Hayward has a large amount of space, 24,000 square feet, um, parking lot, it's a, it's a building. I was there and, and uh, was writing a sermon late one night because, you know, oftentimes that happens. <laughs> and man comes to the door about my age. And uh, it's a cold, rainy Northern California night. We know that night. It's biting cold. He comes to the door and he knocks on the door and I go answer and he says, hey, do you, do you have a blanket? Do you have a jacket? I, I gotta have something to survive this night. And I was like, yeah, I got something. I went and found it, I got it to him, I handed it to him. He said, Thankful, thank you, with a grateful look on his face. And he walked out and he put that jacket and he had a blanket and a jacket and he held them both and he put it over his head and blocked the rain as I stood underneath our church awning, dry and warm. And I watched one of God's children go out into the night. And I remember clear as day, the Holy Spirit saying to me in that space, that's not good enough. That's not good enough for my son you just sent away. And that began a journey for First Pres Hayward. The leadership there, the elders there, felt the same call of the Holy Spirit. 
And now their gym is a shelter for 50 folks every single night, 365 days a year. Their multi-purpose room is now a resource center for those same folks from 10 to 4 during the day to help folks get to the next step of whatever they need, Medi-Cal, driver's license, housing. The people of First Pres Hayward and the leadership team that is there have now housed in the last 24 months over 200 people. Permanent housing. Because I think they took First 10 seriously. There was multiple times when it was hard, the finances weren't there, they spent every last, down to every last reserve. There was moments when that leadership team and those elders could not make payroll next month if God did not come up with a miracle. You wanna pray? You wanna really come alive? You wanna come alive spiritually? Spend all your reserves. You're like, what? I might, yeah, yeah that one I might apologize for later. <laughs> Comfort, security are the enemies of faith. No transformation happens when you're comfortable. None. They are the opposite of transformation. If you spend yourselves, and I mean spend it. I want to talk just briefly about this. When we talk about spending, it's not what, I'm, that's not what the scripture's saying. What it's saying in this portion is, for example, when I go to eat, how many of you all have kids? 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 Yeah? How many of you have stopped ordering full meals because your kids never eat all of theirs when you go out to a restaurant? Yeah? <laughs> totally what I do. I eat a lot. This is, this, it takes a lot to fuel this. Right? <laughs> but I don't order food anymore because my kids never finish. And what we think is that when they're done eating on their plate and they hand me it, they say, Dad, here, that that is sharing. That's not sharing. That's giving me your leftovers so I finish it so your mom doesn't yell at you for ordering too much. Let me be clear. When it says spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry, it's not talking about your leftovers, your extra room, your extra space, your extra dollars. That's not generosity giving what you have left over. It's talking about sharing, which would mean my children sit down with that Chipotle burrito at the beginning of the meal and they say, Dad, do you want half? Before the meal begins. When you spend yourselves, it's saying right now, you don't come first, Berkeley. Your needs, your wants don't come first. The needs and the wants of the suffering come first. You're second. You get the leftovers. Because you have enough. That's what he's saying. Then the Lord will guide you always. And this is my dream and my prayer from this September 1st on for you all, for us. That we will be like Verse 11, that the Lord will guide us, that the Lord will be our vision, that God will satisfy our needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen our frame, that we will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail, that is blessing with living water every single member of this community, not the faith community, the larger community, amen? Your people. This is what God wants for us. Remember who you are. 
Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. Your people will raise up age-old foundations. You will be called the repairer of broken walls. You will be called by this community the restorer of streets with dwellings. You are the chain breaker. You are the repairer of broken walls. You are the restorer of housing. Remember who you are. You rebuild that which has been broken. You are those who feed the hungry. You house the homeless. You are a spring of living water. You are the defender of the worker. You set the oppressed free. This is the work. This is why we exist as a church. Worship is part of it to remember who God is and who we are not. We can't do it alone, amen? But fam, we gotta get running the marathon. We gotta get out there and run the race. This is just the watering station along the way. Simba had to make a decision. He had to make a decision to turn around and go back. And waiting for him was a fight, a struggle. I want to give us this moment today. I want to give us a chance. I'm going to invite up John and James and the music team while you come on up, while I outline our, our moment. Whew, I'm praying the Holy Spirit's doing some work among us, and this is a changing day. Many of you are already on this journey. I, I get it. Maybe this is encouraging to you, but maybe some of us need to get on it. I want to give us a chance today to make God the vision, to make this passage the vision. I want to give us a chance to remember who we are, to take a Simba moment, and it's not going to be an easy journey, but to turn around and head back to Pride Rock, to get out of the building and into the streets, to do that work. John and James and the team are going to lead us in a song. It's a classic song that we all know. It's Be Thou My Vision. God laid out God's vision clearly in this passage and over 2,000 others. And if you want to spend yourselves on behalf of the other and sh like share with generosity and sacrifice for the other, I want you to make God your vision. I want to be part of a church that God listens to, that feeds the hungry. I'm going to ask you and you don't have to today if you just need a minute. But man, when we sing songs, I oftentimes think in the church that we don't recognize what we're singing. So as you sing, if you wanna sing, make it your moment. Make it your prayer moment. God, be my vision. Isaiah 58, be our vision. If you don't wanna sing, don't. But if you want to choose to remember who you are, I'm going to invite you to sing as loud and off-key as I am. Because in the end, song is prayer. And we want to make God our vision. I want to be part of a faith community for her. God is our vision. Let's spend ourselves, family, on behalf of the hungry and the suffering and watch the revival and the miracles that the Holy Spirit do. First Press Berkeley, remember who you are. Amen. Sing if you wish. Join us if you don't. God bless y'all.